European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance Volume 39, Issue 29 Focus Issue on Intervention by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia Improving Outcomes After Acute Coronary Events What Works and What Doesn't Risk assessment before and after acute coronary syndrome, or ACS, is an important first step in the management of such patients. While classical risk factors such as age, blood pressure, lipids and diabetes, as well as biomarkers are commonly used, their predictive power at the individual level is still limited. The non-coding genome plays a key role in genetic programming during development and in health and cardiovascular disease. About 99% of the human genome does not encode proteins, but is transcriptionally active, giving rise to a broad spectrum of non-coding RNAs with regulatory and structural functions which appear to represent novel candidates to improve diagnostics and prognosis. As outlined in the review article, non-coding RNAs in cardiovascular diseases, diagnostic and therapeutic perspectives, by Wolfgang Poller and colleagues from the Charité Universitätsmedizine in Berlin, Germany. Beyond that, NCRNAs provide new therapeutic targets currently tested in clinical trials. New therapeutic tools were developed from endogenous NCRNAs serving as blueprints such as RNA interference-mediating drugs, which mimic functions of endogenous SIRNAs and are versatile tools for silencing any protein encoding or non-coding RNA target. Pioneering trials include RNA drugs targeting PCSK9 or apolipoprotein A and resulting in highly significant lowering of LDL cholesterol or lipoprotein A, respectively. Novel drugs mimicking actions of endogenous NCRNAs may arise from exploitation of molecular interactions not accessible to conventional pharmacology. Nitric oxide, or NO, is an important regulator of cardiovascular function. In preclinical models, inhalant of NO during myocardial ischemia and after reperfusion confers cardioprotection. In the article Nitric Oxide for Inhalation in ST Elevation Myocardial Infarction, or NOMI, a multicenter double blind randomized controlled trial, Stefan P. Janssens and the NOMI investigators report the results of their double-blind, placebo-controlled study on no inhalation at a dose of 80 parts per million for 4 hours in 250 patients with ST-elevation myocardial infarction, or STEMI. Overall, infarct size at 48 to 72 hours was 18.0 plus or minus 13.4% with NO and 19.4 plus or minus 15.4% in controls. Subgroup analysis indicated consistency across clinical confounders of infarct size 
but significant treatment interaction with nitroglycerin resulting in smaller infarct size after NO in nitroglycerin-naive patients. The myocardial salvage index and LV volumes were similar in both groups. Kaplan-Meier analysis for the composites of death, recurrent ischemia, stroke or rehospitalizations showed a tendency towards lower event rates with NO at four months and one year. Thus, inhalation of NO in STEMI is safe but does not reduce infarct size. The observed functional recovery and clinical event rates at follow-up and possible interaction with nitroglycerin warrant further studies, a perspective that is further explored in an editorial by Borja Ibanez from Madrid, Spain. Another widely used small molecule in infarction is oxygen, which Robin Hoffman and investigators tested in the DEET-02X Sweetheart trial report in their article Oxygen Therapy in ST-Elevation Myocardial Infarction. They randomized 2,807 patients with suspected STEMI to receive oxygen at 6 liters per minute for 6 to 12 hours or ambient air. All-cause death rehospitalization for infarction, cardiogenic shock, or stent thrombosis at one year, occurred in 6.3% of patients allocated to oxygen and 7.5% allocated to ambient air. The primary composite endpoint was consistent across all groups, as well as at different time points, such as during hospital stay, at 30 days, and follow-up up to 1,356 days. Thus, routine use of supplemental oxygen in non-hypoxemic patients with STEMI undergoing primary PCI does not improve outcome and should not be routinely used. Diabetes is a known risk predictor of cardiovascular outcomes. However, the GRACE risk score, a powerful predictor of prognosis after an ACS, does not include a glucometabolic measure. In their article, Adjustment of the GRACE score by 2-hour postload glucose improves prediction of long-term major adverse cardiac events in acute coronary syndrome in patients without known diabetes, Sudipta Chattopadhyay and colleagues from the Milton Keynes University Hospital in Buckinghamshire, UK, investigated whether two-hour post-load plasma glucose would improve the risk score-based prognostic models after an ACS in patients without diabetes mellitus. During 41 months of follow-up, major adverse cardiac events occurred more frequently in the upper post-load plasma glucose quartiles, while fasting plasma glucose did not predict events. Post-load plasma glucose significantly improved prognostic models, including the GRACE score. Thus, post-load but not fasting plasma glucose is an independent predictor of adverse outcome after an ACS and improves the predictability of the GRACE score. These intriguing findings are put into context in an editorial by Lars Ryden from the Karolinska Hospital in Stockholm, Sweden. 
Dual antiplatelet therapy is a crucial preventive strategy after ACS. However, while this strategy reduces ischemic risk, it increases the risk of bleeding. Guided de-escalation of P2Y12 inhibitors may be an effective alternative strategy in ACS patients undergoing PCI. However, safety and efficacy of such a strategy may differ in relation to a patient's age. In their article, Age and Outcomes Following Guided De-Escalation of Antiplatelet Treatment in Acute Coronary Syndrome Patients Undergoing Percutaneous Coronary Intervention, results from the randomized Tropical ACS trial. Dirk Sibbing and the Tropical ACS investigators assessed the impact of age on clinical outcomes following guided de-escalation of antiplatelet treatment in ACS patients. Patients were randomly assigned to either Prezogrel for 12 months, i.e. the control group, or to a guided de-escalation regimen with one-week Prazogrel followed by one-week Clopidogrel and platelet function testing guided maintenance therapy with Clopidogrel or Prazogrel from day 14 after hospital discharge, i.e. the de-escalation group. In patients less than or equal 70 years old, the one-year incidence of cardiovascular death, myocardial infarction, stroke or bleeding was significantly lower in de-escalation with 5.9% than the control group with 8.3%. In contrast, in patients over 70 years, events were higher without differences between groups. Of note, an increasing relative risk reduction was observed in the primary endpoint by decreasing age due to significant reductions in bleeding. Thus, the effectiveness of guided de-escalation for P2Y12 inhibitors depend on patients' age with younger but not elderly patients deriving a net clinical benefit. These clinically important findings are further discussed in an editorial by Olivier Varenne from the Hôpital Cochin in Paris, France. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.